they do in Washington is they just their philosophy is they just try to bribe everybody. They just assume that there is nobody who they cannot bribe. And if they approach anybody in the right way through a lobbyist or through a think tank, that they can put fake articles into the news. They can uh, influence uh, if they can't get a politician directly, they can give uh, money to his family members somehow. I mean, they seem to be on the warpath to try to bribe and corrupt everybody. And of course, it's not because they're generous giving out money, but it's because they're protecting that they're stealing the money and a lot more from somewhere else. The group that we, the group that we flattered the most in the book were actually journalists, independent journalists who aren't afraid to speak up about things and who, uh, when they know the real dirt that's going on, they don't uh, hide it to be make themselves popular, but instead they uh, report it as the, as the facts are. So journalism became the, uh, or free media became the, the hero of the book, uh, but the villain is the development bank. If you are like me, you're constantly searching for the best solutions to keep you and your family healthy. We all know that diet and exercise is important, but unfortunately, diet and exercise is not enough in today's toxic and nutritional deficient environment. No matter how much you try to eat healthy, soils depleted of minerals will not produce sufficiently nourishing food. That's why we have carefully curated products on the controlyourhealth.care website that keep you fully nourished. The Healthy Foundation Pack for those wanting a complete nutritional program, the On The Go Pack for those looking for a more convenient yet quality solution, and the plant-derived minerals for those on a budget who need more for your money. Starting at less than $30, you can get what our bodies lack the most, and that's minerals. The plant-derived minerals contain up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants in their unaltered colloidal form, which will give you nourishment you just cannot find in today's food. The price does not mean less quality. Far from it. Plant-derived minerals are also in the complete nutritional program, and these minerals are what our foods lack most. Plus, it comes in tasty flavors for the entire family to enjoy. So, if you're on a tighter budget, plant-derived minerals are for you. You can find links for these and many other products at controlyourhealth.care or at sarahwestall.com slash shop. Yeah, just like transferred the whole national treasury to themselves, essentially. So, um, and they did it through, they did it through this bank that you are talking about. I understand that the main bank for Kurchenko was ABLV, which was the successor, one of the successors to my bank. Okay. Okay. And this bank should not have existed in the first place because if that EBRD cover-up had never happened, uh, then these people would have been prosecuted already and they wouldn't have been able to just loot out one bank and move their activity to a different bank. Well, they just, I mean, think about it. They just stole everything that the Ukraine people gave in taxes and everything they had. I mean, can you imagine? I'm yeah, just... it's, I mean, it's, Go ahead. It's heartless. Sure. I mean, you are like sick in Ukraine and you go to the hospital and they say, oh, we don't have any funding at the hospital because everything has been stolen. Or, And it's with Russian people as well. And I, you know, I don't like to be uh, anti-Russian. I certainly don't like the Russian government. But for an ordinary family in Russia, also, they're poor because their government's been looted out. I mean, the people at the top of this, I understand to be the former KGB agents who basically have wrecked all of these countries um, and, you know, made themselves into billionaires at the same time. Uh, but the, the idea of going to a poor country and just like stealing everybody's money is really horrifying. 
Well, but the United States isn't innocent either because all these organizations that's supposed to keep these things from happening didn't do their job. And as you dig into it, you find that there's more people involved, there are more organizations involved that are U.S. based, right? I mean, can you talk about that? Well, I can't say that the United States has uh, is the worst country because uh, the United States has actually done something. They at least sanctioned a few of these banks that were involved. They sanctioned that one, ABLB, and oh, that's a few good. other ones. And the, the United States has done a few things. Uh, I can say the Europeans have done nothing and the British have done nothing. Uh, so in comparison with the British and the Europeans, the Americans have done, had more of a positive impact. Oh, that's good. Um, so that's, that's something nice I can say about America. Um, but then the next step we're getting into is Washington and what uh, certain organizations in Washington have gotten themselves involved with. Uh, first among them is uh, the lobbyist Blue Star Strategies. Yeah. What, what, what is the deal with them? Okay, so when I worked at Parx Bank, we hired this lobbyist named Sally Painter, and her firm is called Blue Star Strategies. And uh, they were supposed to help us with our reputational problems. I mean, this was my job also, so I was meeting with her. Um, she boasts of her connections with Hillary Clinton, that they're like friends with each other and uh, post pictures of herself with the Bidens and this sort of stuff. So what this lady does is she has this list of uh, organized crime events that the bank was tangled up in and says we need to you know, figure out how to improve this bank's, our bank's uh, relationship with, uh, with the United States government because the United States government is very concerned about uh, Parx Bank as it was at that time. Um, at the time I did this whistleblowing that uh, the assets of Parx were being embezzled, rather than taking my side or the honest side and you know dropping the client, what she did is she engaged together uh, in the kind of fight to cover up my whistleblowing, which was with the EBRD and with her lobbying efforts in Washington and about moving the business over to uh, from Parx Bank to ABLB Bank. So she got involved in all of that. She won an award from the Latvian government, which uh, has a tradition of giving Jeez. awards in a way where the biggest crooks seem to get the awards. Uh, but anyway, the activity then was at ABLV Bank. She was in Washington and she represented the ABLV Bank sometimes and also the Latvian government sometimes. Um, she was uh, at the center of this disinformation campaign. And when I found out this link between Blue Star Strategies and Hunter Biden, I was extremely interested. I mean, that came out in the media that there was a subpoena for Blue Star Strategies for what they did in connection with uh, Burisma and with uh, Hunter Biden. And uh, I thought that's amazing. That's the same lobbyist. That's the same person who I know who was involved with Parx and ABLV Bank. Now, did um, Burisma use this bank too? Is that Was that their main bank? Um, Borisma did some money laundering through Latvia, and uh, I believe they used a different bank, but um, somehow this network of crooks are all friends with each other, I suppose. I guess what an objective would be for any of these uh, corrupt organizations like Borisma also now is uh, that they fear that they're going to get sanctioned by the United States, and therefore they want to have representation in Washington to try to uh, give a good, uh, to improve their image. 
So certain things that Burisma did, uh, which were intended to improve their image, I would say have backfired by now, is uh, putting Hunter Biden on the board of directors because that was supposed to make them look like a clean company that should not be sanctioned. But uh, you know, obviously it was a corrupt move. Um, another thing Burisma did, which is another organization which ties into this, is something in Washington called the Atlantic Council. Okay. Okay, so the Atlantic Council, uh, which is supposedly a pro-NATO think tank in Washington, yep. uh, accepted a donation from Burisma and the, uh, the label on this donation was uh, that they were going to fight against corruption together. So this is, again, the kind of, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, the kind yep. of trick that seems funny if, I mean, if, if it wouldn't be so obvious, I, I, I guess they fool a lot of people with this, but Burisma was saying that they're against corruption. And since they want to fight against corruption, they are giving this money to Atlantic Council. And then Atlantic Council was helping them out with articles and so forth. At the same time, uh, Blue Star Strategy also was doing the same thing with Atlantic Council for this ABLD bank because they channeled a donation from the Latvian government to Atlantic Council in exchange for uh, a particular fellow at Atlantic Council named Anders Asplund to publish an article that uh, ABLV Bank was clean and was not a money launderer. And he had previously, by the way, published a book with the former prime minister of Latvia that the reason Parex Bank collapsed was because of Sweden. So he already had one work of fiction to his credit, and then he had a second work of fiction to his credit. And when he published the article flattering to ABLV, he did not mention that it was a commissioned article. Uh, so he presented this as if this was some real research that he did, even though he just got paid to write it. And uh, what's going on with these people in the think tanks? I mean, the think tanks in Washington, I guess they can be even worse than the lobbyists are. Yeah, they're But cover. this all wraps up together. They're, yeah, they say that they're doing some beautiful thing, but they're really like doing the opposite. Yeah, they're covers for all this stuff. And it's really disturbing when it's the what they're covering is is very evil, right? If they're covering it's if it's just a political thing and, and it's not, well, politics can get really evil. But you know what I'm saying? When it becomes really uh, human trafficking and that kind of stuff that they're covering, it that this is this is evil that needs to be taken down and destroyed. Now, do you find any ties to big money like um I don't know, the Rothschilds or any of these World Economic Forum people or big big companies. Ernst & Young's a big company, so that's a pretty big deal, but other companies? Well, I can say that the oligarchs from Parex Bank are in the same circle of oligarchs of certain people who are in the headlines today because they've, uh, after years when they should have been sanctioned, they finally have been sanctioned by certain countries. Uh, like the United Kingdom recently sanctioned um, Michael Friedman and Peter Aven. And those two people uh, were close to, they're from Alpha Bank in Russia. And Alpha Bank had a close working relationship with Parex Bank. They almost merged at one point. And both of those oligarchs uh, purchased palaces in Latvia where, where, where the Parex oligarchs obviously have their palaces. So between those people, they seem to be in the same network. Uh, I would also say another one is Victor Vexelberg, who also is recently getting sanctioned in various places. Uh, Are these all Russian? Are they pretty much all Russians? Uh, they're Jewish Russians and also okay. the guys from Latvia as well. 
So this circle, this particular circle of oligarchs, Vexelberg and Aven and Friedman and the Parx oligarchs, uh, they're all in a network together. And it all links back to this banking network that's in Latvia. And uh, these people had escaped sanctions for years. I mean, they're, they're, they have billions and billions of dollars and they're obviously very corrupt people. And uh, somehow they were, you know, living in their palaces and floating around in their super yachts and nobody did anything for a long time. Uh, I'm happy that finally there is some kind of a crackdown on them and they are getting assets frozen, uh, but it should have been done a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, how, what other um, oligarchs are being any oligarchs that have been involved with this uh, great reset or the COVID scam? Well, uh, about that, I don't really know. And about other certain oligarchs like Deripaska and Abramovich, I'm not, I, they do have some connections with Latvia as well, although not directly the, exactly the same circle that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, but anyway, it is a scary thing. And then when you see, like, for example, with me, it was one thing if these oligarchs control the Latvian government, it's another thing if they also control the EBRD, which is exactly. International Development Bank funded by 70 countries. I mean, it's incredible that they would control that. Uh, what Ernst & Young is doing, I cannot imagine. I mean, do these guys control Ernst & Young also? I, I don't know. But then I, I assume what they do in Washington is they just their philosophy is they just try to bribe everybody. They just assume that there's nobody who they cannot bribe. And if they approach anybody in the right way through a lobbyist or through a think tank, that they can put fake articles into the news, they can uh, influence, uh, if they can't get a politician directly, they can give uh, money to his family members somehow. I mean, they seem to be on the warpath to try to bribe and corrupt everybody. And of course, it's not because they're generous giving out money, but it's because they're protecting that they're stealing the money and a lot more from somewhere else. Yeah, well, it's worked for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, well, 30 years it's been going so far, so maybe this will be the, the end of it this year, I hope. Um, but certainly certain things that the United States can do, the United States can expose the EBRD any day it wants. And I've been complaining to U.S. officials for years. Most people don't really understand the fraud about a privatization that uh, secretly reverses back again in order to hide a bank looting. It kind of, then I say that, you know, and it's about narcotics trafficking and then say, how can narcotics trafficking be related to an accounting fraud? And I say, well, uh, I can't prove the narcotics trafficking, but I can prove the accounting fraud. So that's that's where you go. The accounting fraud is the easiest thing to prove. So why not to focus on that? Uh, and then they just don't follow the links. So it, it's been really tough getting action on it. I mean, I, I have had a lot of interest since the war started that suddenly people are digging into this more. Um, but a lot of the disinformation is for like who's on which side. The Atlantic Council, for example, the Atlantic Council talks all day long about how they support independent Ukraine. That's what they're always talking about. Uh, it doesn't really match up with all of their deeds. Maybe some of the deeds are that way, and maybe most of the people within Atlantic Council think that way. But there, there are uh, some people working the opposite way at Atlantic Council. Uh, with, with Blue Star Strategies as well, I remember one crazy thing is right when this Sally Painter became the uh, lobbyist for Parex Bank, uh, Latvia was joining NATO at that time, and one of her first projects was to organize a party in Washington, D.C., which was to celebrate Latvia joining NATO, and Parx Bank was the sponsor of the event. 
So uh, they do this sort of stuff because then if you go back to her and you say, hi, you're against NATO because you're on Putin's side. She says, how could I be on Putin's side? Because uh, I organized the event to welcome Latvia into NATO. And uh, what do you say about that? So uh, this is how they try to confuse and disinform everybody. Well, it, I think it's just incredible that this is the tie back to the entire stealing of the Ukraine Ukraine's uh, money fund because that in and of itself I just heard that the other day that that when he left office there was nothing there and if they go back through this they know what happened you have that those facts this is that's uh, this is the crux of that yeah and you know to some extent well the entire way that the breakup of the Soviet Union has played out has been tragic everywhere I mean uh yes from every true. country from from the fo former Soviet Union I think maybe Estonia Lithuania are the only ones that have been at least in some way successful for the rest of the country is it's been a complete disaster it's been takeover by organized crime of every government and now we even have uh warfare going now so uh surely the west could have somehow planned it differently. I mean, not look the other way at all the corrupt privatizations. Uh, that's where the big four auditors were also involved because there were large Russian companies that had their uh, accounts signed off by the Western auditors and uh, their accounts were fake. And even when uh, clear information came out that their accounts were fake, the auditors stood by the fake audits anyway. And uh, this is something where there should have been a, a crackdown a long time ago. But there's still this time. I mean, certain things can be done, like with uh, Blue Star Strategies and Atlantic Council, to look into them and see what they're doing. Like, see about all the stuff that uh, uh, I mean, because it, it's not just only Hunter Biden and Burisma. It's a larger octopus of things that they were working on, and that's maybe the doorway to get in and get started. But they should look at every client of Blue Star Strategies and everything that Blue Star Strategies was doing for those clients. Well, there's, you know, if you listen to the Roche, Roche Pack and a bunch of other activists, they talk about how the West really raped Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union, because Ukraine was the center of um, the industrial complex of Russia. So the raping of that country is very real. And it's very sad. And the fact that you have that, doc, that information is incredible. But now, do you... Because there's been so much raping of that country by so many oligarchs all over the world, I really don't think it's just Russia. The, the, what you're sh sharing here is the fact that it was probably a group of everybody because it wasn't just, and that everybody covered for each other. Well, one of the interesting things with Ukraine, and this is a different circle of corruption, it's not my circle that I'm expert in, was the largest bank of Ukraine used to be Privat Bank. I guess it's still the largest bank in Ukraine, but it got nationalized because the uh, the owner for many years uh, lent all the money from the bank to himself. And now he's a multi-billionaire and lives between uh, Switzerland and Israel. And he uh, bought all these assets in the United States, uh, some factories and office buildings and so forth he bought in the United States. Uh, the United States has actually done something with him. They have frozen his assets, and I believe that the United States is going after him to get him arrested as well. But that guy's name is Kolomoisky. Now, the thing which everybody has forgotten about since uh, the invasion happened and Zelensky became a big hero, and I'm not saying Zelensky is not a hero. I, I believe that he's a very brave man and he's 
you know, fighting hard and risking himself for uh, saving Ukraine. But isn't he a creep that, himself? Uh, I mean, to, to just be honest Well, here. the point is that Go ahead. Th this guy Kolomoisky is the one who uh, sponsored Zelensky to become president, that he, uh, Zelensky was a television star and Kolomoisky was the one who uh, funded his campaign to become president. So uh, the guy, uh, I mean, Ukraine still, I believe, has not issued an arrest warrant for Kolomoisky yet. But how can you let this guy Kolomoisky steal billions of dollars, which were almost all the assets of the largest bank in the country, um, and not arrest him and uh, to let him just keep the money? Uh, the United States, at least, is going after that money. But then there's another question is about, well, how come the president of Ukraine is, uh, his campaign was funded by the same oligarch who stole all the money from the largest bank and is not getting prosecuted in Ukraine? Well, that's my point is all these people are tied. Well, yeah, and I believe that there should be fairness to this. I mean, just, just because Zelensky right now is, you know, fighting in the trenches and, you know, he's a hero right now, I don't think means that we need to forget about how uh, this other oligarch stole all the money from the banks and then uh, funded his campaign. That's exactly right. I mean, these things are are bigger deal than that. Now, you talked about Hunter Biden, and Hunter Biden's kind of the big deal right now because he's a creep, right? They're compromised all over the place. Um, can you talk a little bit more about Hunter Biden and what you believe his tie-ins? And I know you already stated some of it, but maybe that's all of it. I don't know. Can you talk a little bit more about that so that people understand more what that tie-in yeah. is? Okay, about about Hunter Biden specifically, I mean, I can't say something like, he is a creep because I don't know him. I never met him. And uh, I'm sure he has personal pressures in his life. And But the things which I know are just that he did this uh, deal with Burisma and the, the deal with, Burmis, with Burisma seems uh, just clearer than day than it's corruption. Um, there's no reason why Burisma would have hired him to be on the board except to get influence with Hunter's father. Um, so I can say that, and then I can just say that it's uh, very interesting that there's this one lobbyist in Washington that seems to be arranging all of this. And uh, th this is something for sure that the United States Justice Department should be working on. I think they are working on it, but very slowly. But um, yeah, just bringing out the truth about this web of uh, influence buying, whether it's uh, putting famous Americans onto the boards of uh, notorious mafia companies, or whether it's something else like placing fake articles into the media. Um, this should all be out. And then the the other thing, which is actually even easier than that, uh, this fraud racket with the EBRD is super easy to prove. I mean, anybody who understands accounting knows that if you own a worthless asset and you announce that you sold it for a huge price, but it's actually not true because you secretly gave the money to the buyer, that this is fraud. And this uh, the EBRD should be forced to restate its financial statements and come clean with what it did. And the U.S. can make it do that because the U.S. is the biggest owner of the EBRD. So we're the biggest owner of the EBRD and the EBRD is corrupt right now. So we have an opportunity if we, to, well, we have a lot of corruption issues. I cover a lot of corruption. So I know the United States is not super clean, but it's good to hear that they're a little better than some of these other places. But the United States, who is the biggest funder we're the biggest funder of this corrupt organization that's doing nothing but nothing but covering up for the fraud that's going on everywhere or acting like they're doing something or doing small things so they can keep covering up for the fraud.
that's what I've noticed as a pattern. Well, officially, the United States is funding the EBRD because the EBRD is fostering democracy. That's the official reason why the United States is funding the EBRD. To some degree, I'm sure a lot of people in the American government are actually tricked that this is actually true, that they believe that the EBRD is fostering democracy and therefore the United States should fund the EBRD. But there are for sure some people in the United States government who know that the EBRD is not doing this and that the EBRD is involved with Putin's money laundering and uh, that therefore should not be funded by the United States. Well, and there's always that they have a certain side that's legit so that they can keep up their game. That's what I've noticed with these organizations. They have a certain amount of legit stuff going on so that they can always point to how great they are, but they are, and they also take out the competitors, like their sponsors are, um, you know, cause they, they have sponsors, criminal sponsors, and then they take out the, the competitors of their criminal sponsors. And by taking out those competitors, it makes them look really good to the public because they're doing something. If that makes sense. Well, sure. I mean, another tricky thing about it is uh, with an organization like the EBRD or with uh, Atlantic Council is another good example. I would bet that the majority of people who work within the EBRD and the majority of people who work within the Atlantic Council sincerely believe that they're on the side of the good guys, that they're on the side of democracy in the West and they're on the side of independent Ukraine and so forth. And uh, I guess it's a human rationalization, a tendency to uh, or confirmation bias when you want to believe that your organization that you work for is doing something good and then something comes across your desk which shows that your organization did something which is really bad that maybe you don't want to look at that too quickly you want to throw that in the yeah. tra- trash and forget about it and pretend like you didn't see that yeah because well, people don't want to think that they're involved in something bad yeah and that's what we're seeing with a lot of doctors right now who did who has been giving advice to people when they really had options, you know, the, the treatment options are there's doctors who have been using these treatment options and saving almost hundred percent of their patients. And then the ones who listen to the um, world economic forum are they're dying everywhere and they should be able to acknowledge that, but their ego is not letting them, I think, or it's not just ego. It's all sorts of things. It's a complex psych- psychosis. And so I suppose that would be involved here too. So you think that the easiest thing would be for the, the clean up the ER, the ERBD, how do you pronounce it? ERBD to clean up the ERBD. The ERBD. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the easiest thing, so you're saying that the easiest thing is to clean up the ERBD. And then from there, cause it's an infrastructure problem from there, then they can start cleaning up everything going on everywhere else. Is that what you're saying is maybe the, the best tool? Well, I'm always uh, like pro-free markets capitalist myself, and something which I've always been skeptical about is is uh, all of the development banks. I mean, the bigger ones would be the the World Bank and the IMF. Uh, like, what is going on with these institutions? They they say things like that they're correcting uh, market inefficiencies, for example. Now, when Latvia almost defaulted on its debt uh, when it did the Parex bailout, uh, the World Bank and the IMF were very very quick to lend billions of dollars to Latvia to uh, uh, prevent it from defaulting at that time. But Latvia really should have defaulted and should not have been able to issue more bonds uh, because the government was corrupt and was giving away the money to the oligarchs. But 
uh, I would say that even the underlying principles of it, I mean, even if the people at the World Bank, the IMF and the EBRD are uh, honestly trying to uh, do their job, but they believe that their job is that every time a corrupt country is almost bankrupt, that they need to bail it out and make its debt even higher, that this is uh, not helpful and this entire system doesn't work and it all backfires. Or with uh, Ukraine, for example, and the IMF, uh, a classic thing with the IMF was that uh, every year they kept lending larger and larger amounts to Ukraine. Uh, so Ukraine's national debt kept growing and growing, and each year uh, they could not repay the IMF, and then the IMF would uh, pretend to be very strict with Ukraine, that Ukraine needs to clean up corruption or else the IMF is not going to roll over the existing loan with a larger loan. But then every year Ukraine promised all these reforms, and then the IMF lent them even more money, and then the Ukraine didn't really do anything afterward. Uh, that this whole system of uh, all these development banks is wrong, that they, they shouldn't be like this. I mean, we could give grant money to people if we want to. I suppose that that's fine. But to disguise grant money is by making loans and then eternally rolling over the loans larger and larger, even though we know that the money is not going to be paid back and we know it wasn't even used for its proper purpose, that it was stolen. Uh, this is a huge mistake. So I would like to see uh, starting with the EBRD, but then there's a bunch of other development banks to look at as well. Uh, what's wrong with this entire system of these uh, state-funded development banks, which again, like you say, they, they say all these beautiful things about what they're doing, about how they're working on equality and sustainability and democracy and transparency and whatever the buzzword is, they say that they're doing that, uh, but it's, it's not true. Yeah, well, and I've heard that with the IMF, that they do this on purpose they get the countries far in debt so that they have to do their bidding well there was a famous book about that there was this guy who wrote this book uh what the confessions of the economic hitman yeah and i but, interviewed um, him at one point he was on my show and we talked about it and he you know and, but not just him other people have said that since then well with him i i found his I mean, I read that book. I found his reasoning a little bit uh, twisted in that book. Uh, I mean, I agree generally that the development banks are wrongheaded and they, I, my opinion, how to fix them is just to abolish them. Um, but anyway, the mentality of the people within those banks is, is not what it should be for sure. And why did you think his and, um, and actually logic speaking was... of books again? Why was his logic? Oh, just twisted? one thing I want to mention. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the, the thing I want to mention about this book, by the way, is one thing is that I have a co-author, William Burton McCormick. So he is uh, a crime and suspense writing specialist. And, you know, I'm a former banker. So this was a collaboration between us. But what we sought to do with this is also like a commentary on the development banks, because uh, we have fictionalized the story in this bank. We've changed everybody's name and we've not made the people exactly match up with the real villain. So there's not any re real villain who can sue me and say that I slandered him in the book because uh, nobody in the book exactly matches up with a real person. Uh, we also changed the name of the, uh, we have a fictional development bank in the book. I mean, on the back cover, it says the EBRD covered up my whistleblowing, which is the truth. But we have, uh, we don't use that name in the book. We have a fictional development bank that we've uh, set up to be, you know, cynically doing the opposite of what it's really supposed to do. But it's one of the things we sought to highlight in this. I mean, we're, we had fun with the book. I mean, we made it into an action thriller. So it's, it's a, 
it it has a lot of uh, twists and suspense and action and uh, but it also has these uh, important issues like the important issue about uh, what are the development banks really doing? Uh, also, what are the auditors and the ratings agencies really doing? And the most flattering uh, group that we, the group that we flattered the most in the book were actually journalists, independent journalists who aren't afraid to speak up about things and who, uh, when they know the real dirt that's going on, they don't uh, hide it to be, make themselves popular, but instead they uh, report it as the, as the facts are. So journalism became the, uh, or free media became the, the hero of the book, uh, but the villain is the development bank. Was, and I, you probably have to get going. This is going to be a long interview, but I could talk to you all day, I think. Um, but <laughs> Well, we can do, I can do a little bit more. I have uh, sort of a cough today, so I can't uh, talk for too long, but uh, okay, I can save my criticism of that Confessions of an Economic Hitman, I think was the name of the book. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, and I just uh, we like to know, earlier. yeah, because a lot I, of people, we don't have to talk about it now, okay. we can talk about it next, uh, next interview, but a lot of people have read that. And so it's really good to hear your perspective, not, you know, for my, my point isn't to rip him apart. It's more to get another perspective so that people have alternative views, but um, I, I, it's just really interesting. So yeah, we need to have you back to talk about that. And where can they get the copy of your book? Because it sounds like it's if they read this, they'll get a really good feel of how things really work, even though it doesn't expose the exact names, it exposes the essence of how this works, correct? Oh, sure. It gives an idea of the corruption octopus that's out there. And there, there is a real corruption octopus out there, and we've fictionalized it. And then the more important thing is it's just an enjoyable book. So if you enjoy reading spy thrillers, it, it should be interesting. And where can they but get anyway, it? The, our, our publisher is Sunbury Press in Pennsylvania, so you can buy it, the print copy from Sunbury Press's website. Uh, it's also on Amazon, of course, and it's on Amazon Kindle. So right now there's a print edition and a Kindle edition. Uh, there might be more editions in the future, like an audio edition and editions in different languages. But for right now, it's English only. It's Sunbury Press of Pennsylvania, and it's Amazon Kindle, KGB Banker. Excellent. Okay. And do you have a website that you can share? Yeah, kgbbanker.com. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, John Christmas, and we will have you back. Uh, when we have a little thank more thank you time. Sarah yes I'll be happy to you know we can talk for hours so I'll be happy to get invited back okay sounds great you have a great day and thank you for everything that you're doing to expose this okay thank you for your efforts